Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I was just trying to check and see how many subscribers we have on YouTube. The answer is over 1.25 million of them right now. If you have not subscribed, go click like and subscribe on YouTube. We love all of you. And soon. I will be on the road. We are 20 days away from the official publication of American Playbook, my book that will be out on August the 8th. I will be out and about all over the country. Uh, I will be, so far as I understand it, uh, in Florida, in Georgia, in, uh, in Wisconsin, in Ohio, in New York and New Jersey, in Utah, in Texas, in Arizona, everywhere. I think California, too. I can't even keep track of all the different places we're going to be. Also, obviously, my home state of Tennessee. Uh, And we're going to be doing a bunch of cool events. Uh, So I cannot wait. Tonight, free concert. It is free. If you are in Nashville, if you are in Nashville, Tennessee, this is going to be fun. The SEC Media Days are going on right now. Uh, And as part of those SEC Media Days, I am throwing a party at Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, It is going to be featuring several different performers. It starts at 6 tonight, so four hours from now. Parmalee is going to perform. Cisco, Megan Patrick, Drew Parker. We also have DJs. It is free. 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville. Going to be a lot of fun. Should be a good crew. Weather looks like it's clearing up. Not going to be super hot, relatively speaking, for Nashville in July. So come hang out with us. It should be an awesome time. I can't wait for everybody uh, to be there and break it all down. So I want to start with the IRS whistleblowers that are testifying today. Two different whistleblowers, including a new one who had previously been anonymous up to this point who is a very compelling witness about the fact that Hunter Biden and the Biden family in general were protected from significant consequences for their criminal behavior by the criminal uh, justice system that is co-opted by the Biden administration. Um, And Joseph Ziegler has now joined Gary Shapley in speaking out. These are both long-term IRS employees. Uh, Not that it should matter, but I will play the Democrat game here. Joseph Ziegler is actually uh, a Democrat, right, Uh, who is gay, right? I don't care. I don't care about the identity politics universe. I don't care whether you're gay or straight, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever. But Democrats always try and say, well, this person is a disgruntled right-winger, Uh, that's the way they try to attack anybody who comes out and is willing to tell the truth. So this is a lifelong Democrat who happens to be gay. Uh, According to the Democrat playbook, this means that you have to treat him far more significantly and seriously than you would if he were straight and a Republican. That's just their rules. 
So he has come out and said that they were not able to do a full investigation. Gary Shapley has also come out and spoken. They have testified under oath. All right? If, and I always say this, sometimes it's hard to tell who's telling the truth and who's not. There's only two options here. Either both of these IRS agents are lying and they're lying under oath and opening themselves up to criminal prosecution, that is, they could go to jail voluntarily, or the Biden crime family and their protectors are lying. Just analyze this for me. When does someone lie? Usually when they have something to gain or something to keep hidden. Think about it. When have you caught someone telling a lie? Almost always when they have something to gain or when they're trying to keep something hidden so they don't have to bear the consequences for their acts. That's usually the motivation for someone to lie. What motivation do these IRS agents have? They have voluntarily put themselves in the line of fire and risked their jobs for what? For what benefit? What gain do they uh, benefit from here? Nothing. So to me, when you analyze what they're saying and who is likely to be telling the truth, that means they're likely telling the truth here. What should the consequences be of their truth-telling? A lot of people say, okay, Clay, I agree with you. I agree with you that there was a sweetheart deal for Hunter Biden. I agree with you that the Department of Justice has protected the entire Biden crime family from the consequences of their criminal behavior while, and we're going to get to this momentarily, throwing the book at Donald Trump and trying to put him in prison for the rest of his life. What should be the consequences here? I'll tell you. Next week, the judge that is supposed to look into the Hunter Biden plea agreement, uh, and I want to make sure I get her name right, her name is Melly, Mary Ellen Norieka. She is an appointee of the Trump uh, administration in Delaware. She has to reject this plea agreement. July 26th, that is, what day is that? Is that Thursday of next week? Wednesday of next week. Wednesday of next week, a week from today, she is scheduled to sign off on this plea agreement. Based on all the evidence that has come out, it is clear that this was a sweetheart deal, that the investigation was not fully conducted, that the Biden family was protected, and therefore we do not know the full extent still of Hunter Biden's criminal behavior. And so she must reject this plea agreement. That would keep this story from being cemented. It would keep this story from ending. And as a result, it would potentially lead to further consequences for Hunter Biden going forward. The Bidens would not be able to completely sweep this under the rug. Okay? That, to me, is clear as day. Not a difficult decision to be made it must be made. She cannot sign off on this plea agreement. The law is clear. She has an obligation to refuse to sign off on this plea agreement. If she does, maybe still there is the potential that Hunter Biden could be held accountable for his criminal behavior. Now, um, it's not only that Hunter Biden and the Biden crime family are escaping punishment for far more significant criminal misconduct, not paying millions of dollars in taxes, engaging in direct relationships with our foreign adversaries in the Chinese Communist Party and in Ukraine. 
it's not just that there's been no consequences here. Trading on the family name, making millions of dollars, refusing to pay taxes on it, using your father as a threat to try to get money out of foreign adversaries. It's that, you know, if we just had a Justice Department that basically said, hey, if you're rich and famous and you're a politician, we're not going to charge you pretty much ever with a crime. Now, I would disagree with that. I don't think that's what American justice should represent, but at least it would be consistent uh, application of justice to the extent that it's justice at all to both Democrats and Republicans. That's not what we have here. We have a Justice Department that protects significant and severe criminal misbehavior from the Biden crime family while simultaneously trying to put Donald Trump in prison for the rest of his life for minor and inconsequential violations of the law. Let's just consider allegations of violations of the law. A bookkeeping error in New York City that has been raised from a misdemeanor to a felony in a city where overwhelmingly felonies are reduced to misdemeanors. Alvin Bragg almost never, almost never brings uh, a misdemeanor charge and elevates it to a felony. Most of the time, felony charges are lowered to misdemeanors. It's the exact opposite of what happened to Trump. It's not a consequential crime in New York City. South Florida, we have an entirely process-driven crime surrounding where presidential documents are stored. Are they stored inside of Mar-a-Lago under Secret Service protection, or are they stored at the National Archives? That's basically the dispute here. Who has the right to store these papers inside of uh, Mar-a-Lago or inside of the National Archives? Are they or are they not, both classified or declassified, but also are they President Trump's personal possession or not? Do they belong to the government? That is the argument that is out there right now. Where should paper be stored? They're trying to put President Trump in prison for the rest of his life over that. I still think there's going to be charges in Washington, D.C., but don't mistake what is going on here. Two tiers of justice. Why are the Democrats doing this? We know that it exists. The Biden crime family protected. They're trying to put... Uh, Trump in prison for the rest of his life. I think there are three possibilities, okay? People say, why are these charges being brought? Yesterday, I told you what my opinion was, and after I give you these three possibilities, I'll explain why I think that is their motivation, okay? Why are Democrats trying to put Donald Trump in prison for the rest of his life and charging him with crimes everywhere? One option this is one that I think is by far the least likely. But one theory is Democrats are just committed to the rule of law. No one is above the law. It's hard to even say this without laughing. No one is above the law, including former President Trump. So these charges just represent a Democrat commitment to justice. Okay? I don't think anybody actually believes that. Democrats might argue it. But given what's happened with Hunter Biden and the protection of the Biden crime family, there is no commitment to justice. Trump is being charged because of his politics. If Trump had never gotten involved in politics, none of these charges would have ever come. He would have not gotten charged in New York City, uh, which is not even a political-related crime, right? 
So it's not commitment to justice, in my opinion. Some will argue that it is. I think they don't even believe it themselves. I think they're mostly liars. Another possibility, and this is what some people believe. They believe that they, that Democrats are trying to knock Donald Trump off of the ballot. They can't do that, okay? This is where some of the Trump people were mad at me for my theory yesterday. If you believe that they are going to knock Trump off the ballot, how would they do that? How are they going to disallow Trump's name in Iowa on the caucus? How are they going to disallow Trump's name on the ballot in New Hampshire, in South Carolina, in Nevada, in Republican primaries? There's a 0% chance of this happening. So the Democrat goal, is it possible of being fulfilled here of knocking Trump off of the ballot and keeping him from being able to run? So I don't think it's Democrat commitment to justice. I don't think it's that they're trying to knock Trump off the ballot to keep him from running. That leaves us with the third option, which is what I think is actually going on here. And that is not particularly complicated, but a lot of people evidently haven't heard this theory because uh, many people were stunned when I floated it yesterday. But all the calculus and all the logic adds up. Democrats are charging Trump because they believe it strengthens him in the Republican primary while simultaneously weakening him in the general election. That is, they want Trump as the Republican nominee. And that's the only one that makes any sense at all. And so I don't understand the argument of anybody else other than what I'm saying. The only logical fit here is they want Trump strengthened in the Republican primary to be the nominee so that he runs against Joe Biden or whomever else is the eventual uh, Democrat nominee. And you say, okay, why is that happening? Let's look at the evidence. Yes. Every time Trump gets charged with a felony, there is a rally to the base effect that elevates him in the primary and makes it harder for anybody else to get past him. So it makes Trump the number one story, and it keeps him around 50% of overall support. So this, I believe, is about elevating Trump in the Republican primary while simultaneously weakening him in the general. It's the only explanation that makes sense. Because if Democrats thought that by charging Trump, they were making it more likely that Trump would be elected president of the United States. I don't believe they would be doing this at all. It's pure politics. They think Trump in the ring as the Republican nominee is more likely to lose potentially to Joe Biden or someone else than other nominees are. And so the amount of people who don't seem to understand this is, to be frank, somewhat staggering to me but it's the only explanation that makes any sense at all. I believe this is what is going on uh, as it pertains to Trump going forward. And right after that, we'll continue the discussion, but first, a momentary break. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. The big picture here is 
we have created a two-tier system of justice where Democrats can get away with anything and Republicans, they try to put you in prison for the rest of your life. That's what the Merrick Garland, Joe Biden Department of Justice has become. They are effectively the Praetorian Guard of the Democrat Party in positions of power. Uh, controversy. Some of you may have seen me talking about this last night. Jason Aldean has a new song. He's a country music star called Try That in a Small Town. And he filmed a music video uh, associated with this as well. And I pulled up the, uh, the lyrics and I'll read them to you uh, because I am not a great uh, singer by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I read these earlier today on the Clay and, uh, and Buck show. And I talked about it last night. Um, they're saying that this is a racist song. They're saying that it is a modern day calling for lynching. Uh, and I want to read the lyrics to you. And we may be able to, uh, when we clip this and share it, we may be able to include a part of the, uh, of the story overall. Uh, sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk carjack an old lady at a red light, pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool? Well, act a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face, stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think you're tough. Well, try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road. Around here, we take care of our own. You cross that line. It won't take long for you to find out. I recommend you don't try that in a small town. Got a gun that my granddad gave me. They say one day they're going to round up. Well, that might fly in the city. Good luck. Try that in a small town. Okay. Uh, full of good old boys raised up right. If you're looking for a fight, try that in a small town. Try that in a small town. Uh, so I, I don't see this as remotely controversial. It's certainly not racist. It's not encouraging lynching. Race is not mentioned in any way. Country music in general uh, idolizes life in small towns as opposed to big cities as a general rule. Um, and that music tends to be more popular in small towns in rural America, although country music is also very popular many places all over the world uh, and, and many big cities. And so I live in Nashville, born and raised, as many of you know. CMT, Country Music Television, pulled the video of this song off the air. Last night on Fox News, I mistakenly said that the video was filmed in front of the Tennessee State Capitol. I thought that's where it was. It was actually the Columbia uh, Courthouse uh, in, uh, in the south, uh, south of Nashville. Uh, so it's not far from where I live. I live uh, in Williamson County. Columbia is just a little bit down the road. Okay, reason why I bring all this up. I am an ardent defender of the First Amendment. I have never argued that any rapper should be canceled based on the lyrics on his or her song. I similarly have never argued that any rock star should have the lyrics pulled uh, and not be able to share their song, right? Um, the reason why Nashville is dynamic, in my opinion, is because you have a blue city surrounded by red counties in a profoundly red state. And so you have a lot of people of different political opinions. Every single Thanksgiving or Christmas, I go to a family dinner and there are people who voted Democrat and there are people who voted Republican there. And it's not that uncommon to find yourself in the Nashville area 
constantly surrounded by people with a variety of political opinions different than your own. Joe Biden won the city of Nashville. He won Davidson County. He lost the rest of the state of Tennessee. Uh, I think that cultural dynamicism is actually something to be encouraged because it leads to creativity. Because by and large, my theory is there has to be conflict to create new cultural realities. That is, you have to consider two competing ideas. That conflict oftentimes creates something new. That is how uh, creative uh, uh, dynamism exists in this country. And I think that's why so many people are moving to Nashville, because you can still have a creative industry like country music, but also have people who want to embrace uh, Republican politics and red state America. I'm disappointed. Uh, that there wouldn't be more artists, regardless of their politics, speaking out in favor of Jason Aldean and saying, hey, this is a song that's every bit legit. He should be able to sing it. What I have seen, unfortunately, happen in much of the 21st century is a lot of people in so-called creative industries, whether it's comedians, whether it's actors and actresses, whether it's uh, musicians, they come out and they try to stop someone else from being able to say creatively in their songs, in their books, in their music, uh, in their uh, in their comedic art. They try to stop people from being able to say things because they believe that it's, uh, that, that it's unacceptable. Um, and that's the exact opposite of creativity to me. Every comedian should, in my opinion, stand up for every other comedian's right to free expression. Every actor and actress should do the same. Every author, uh, every musician, songwriter. When you are trying to cancel Jason Aldean for his opinion, ultimately what you're undercutting is creative freedom. I think it's particularly pathetic of CMT to pull this video. I, I, I just, there, there have been generations of rap lyrics that are flagrantly misogynistic, flagrantly laden with violence, drug use, extolling behavior, that is counterproductive to the vast majority of Americans. Huge percentages of successful songs in this world deal with uh, sex, violence, and drug use. Huge percentages of them. In all types of music, whether it's country, whether it's rap, whether it's rock. All different types. Sex, violence, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and drug use and alcohol use, all sorts. And so I think it's crazy that anybody's trying to cancel this uh, song, but I also think it's emblematic of the world in which we live in where your creativity matters far less than your politics. It's not a big deal uh, to me, but Jason Aldean is a supporter of Donald Trump. Uh, I, Taylor Swift is a supporter of Joe Biden. They both live in Nashville. They're both very successful musicians. I think they both should be able to say exactly what they think, even if I don't agree with everything that they say. And so this world that we've created where there are no consequences for violent, misogynistic, drug-laden, uh, anti-cop lyrics, and then they want to try to cancel Jason Aldean is, is wild. And I was joking recently, I was listening to Morgan Wallen's album, and I'm not a big music guy. You guys know this. I mean, I know a lot of musicians because I live in Nashville, but if I see a musician, there's like a 95% chance that I'm talking about sports with them. We did the CMA red carpets years ago, multiple years, and we lined up with camera crews and everything, 
and all we did was talk to all of the uh, all the camera crew. Uh, we lined them up. We had all the different artists coming through. All we did was talk with them about their favorite college football teams and their favorite college football players. And they were excited to come talk, and a lot of them knew OutKick, and a lot of them knew me. I was there with Barton Simmons, who now works at Vanderbilt. Was I didn't know enough, neither did he, about country music songs to ask people about country music. So I interact with country music stars, by and large, through the prism of, of athletics. Almost all of them are big college football fans, uh, as am I. And so, but I was joking about the Morgan Wallen album uh, because every song on the Morgan Wallen album is basically Morgan Wallen meets a girl and writes a story about the girl that he met. And they're really popular, right? I, I like this 98 Brave song that he's got, uh, but it's all about failed romance and drinking. That's like the whole new Morgan Wallen album. He's really good, super talented, but uh, but I think it's funny. It's like every girl that he meets, he writes a song about, and there's like 36 songs, and every one of them is about a redhead girl or a girl from uh, California or a girl uh, who roots for a different SEC team, and and then the, their relationship doesn't work. I mean, it, it's really very funny. Uh, but the idea that something that, an artist says would be considered so unacceptable that you can't play the um, uh, the, the music video on CMT. I think CMT is probably going to get Bud Lighted, but also ultimately the result here is the people who are anti woke overwhelmingly support Jason Aldean, and I think this song is number one overall now, and I bet Jason Aldean's music is skyrocketing in popularity. Because what I'm encouraged by is whenever an artist tries to get canceled now, it feels to me like that artist actually has everybody rally around them and everybody rushes to support them. And so uh, I'm hopeful that that's going to happen with the new Jason Aldean song. And certainly it appears that that may well be occurring. But I think if you are interested in pop culture, if you are interested in music in general, Claiming to be offended by a inoffensive country music song while extolling violent rap lyrics to the heavens is an inconsistent hypocrisy. In my opinion, you either support the right of artists to say, sing, write, speak, however they see fit, or you are a part of censorious cancel culture. So I'm going to support every artist, whether I like their music or not, and their ability to actually say what they believe. Uh, finally, got the party tonight. Want to reiterate again, come down 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville. Going to be fabulous. Lots of different performers. I'm not telling them what they can sing or say on the stage, even though it's my party. And I'm paying for all the artists. They have zero to do with what the artists say on the stage. Um, but it's in honor of SEC Media Days, which is going on right now. I am super excited for SEC Media Days to get here. I cannot wait. Uh, and I loved uh, only one coach, I think, has been really entertaining so far. Most coaches now, there's a thousand media there, and most coaches don't say anything that's very interesting at all. I thought Nick Saban saying that he went to Italy for his 50th wedding anniversary with his wife uh, was really entertaining. Uh, he said he put it off for a couple of years but he had a, uh, a fun time, and people were recognizing him all over Italy. He thought people, he said, would have no idea who he was, uh, but instead people were recognizing him everywhere. Um, and uh, as college football gets closer, 
I just want to say I cannot wait. And I hope a lot of you are in agreement with me that you are ready for college football to be here and that I'll be able to see and hang out with some of you tonight uh, at 6th and Peabody at our free concert, uh, which I think is going to be really, really cool. Uh, and I cannot wait uh, for that to be going on tonight. So I'll see some of you tonight. Go buy the book. It's going to be a lot of fun. I will be back with you. Same bat time, same bat channel tomorrow. Sixth and Peabody, downtown Nashville tonight. Early college football kickoff party. Let me hit the bands one more time. It is going to be, I believe, a lot of fun. Weather not going to be brutal, not going to be super hot, which is uh, which is rare, honestly, when you look at what the weather typically is uh, in Nashville in July. Parmalee is going to be there. Cisco, Megan Patrick, Drew Parker, support the First Amendment, and Booms, come have some drinks with us tonight at 6th and Beebody. I'll see you guys there.